Father, we come before you and we recognize that prayer is not the least that we can do, but rather the most. Lord, that the greatest thing that can help in those around us who are helping is your presence, your power, your peace upon them. Well, there are many within our community that are out there and need your blessing, your watchful care, your protection and your provision, not only for them to do their job, but your protection and provision as they're at home and their families as well. And so, Lord, we, we just go through this list and bring them before you as we have this week and pray for the, the police department, the fire department, for the business manager and counsel, for the mayor. Uh, Lord, we pray for the public works department. We pray for our, our local hospital, UPMC Northwest, for the different pharmacies like CVC and Rite Aid, for a grocery store, or just the one even in town here, the Giant Eagle, the post office, the Salvation Army, Lord, for uh, different health care and rehabilitation facilities and nursing homes around, for stores that are open like Family Dollars and and as well we think about the uh, those who are working in, in places like community services of Venango County, different agencies all around that are still, if not more, working for ambulance services, for our senator, like Senator Hutchison and our representative, James, for trucking companies, for the urgent care in the emergency rooms, for the UPS FedEx drivers that are delivering our packages to the state police and even our county commissioners. Though there are more that we might be able to think of even right now, and we want to just lay them all before you and ask that you would hold them in the palm of your hand that you would not only give them your strength, but that you would give them your wisdom to do what is needed at a time like this. Your wisdom to meet the needs. And Lord, we recognize that our need are, is not just health as it deals with this virus. It is uh, health as it deals with our, our families and our relationships. It's health as it deals with our finances. It's health of, uh, of just emotionally and mentally people who are struggling more now. And so, Lord, help us to make our first steps to help others on our knees. And know that you're hearing us even right now. And that you will work and that you will move. In fact, Lord, we're asking that you would work and move in this moment here. As we've worshipped you, we come now to your word. 
And we not only open up our Bibles, but we open up our hearts for you to move among us as only you can. Holy Spirit, fall upon us. Anoint me to speak your words. Anoint each of us where we're at to hear them and not be distracted by all the things at home, but to focus and listen for your voice. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And we thank you that we even have access to be able to pray like this through your mighty and matchless name, Jesus. Amen and amen. If you haven't already, turn in your Bibles to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 5 through 14. We'll be reading. In verse 5 of 2 Samuel 16, As King David approached Baharim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shimei, son of Gera. And he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guards were on David's right and left. And he cursed. Shimei said, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has handed the kingdom over to your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a man of blood. And then Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. But the king said, What do you and I have in common, you sons of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, Curse David, who can ask, Why do you do this? And David then said to Abishai and all his officials, My son, who is of my own flesh, is trying to take my life. How much more than this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will see my distress and repay me with good for the cursing I am receiving today. And so David and his men continued along the road while Shimei was going along the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. The king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted, and there he refreshed himself. So as we begin this, I want you to imagine yourself in a situation where you're driving. This, you really got to imagine it nowadays. Is where you're driving in heavy traffic. And all of a sudden, it just comes to a complete standstill. All three lanes that are going your way for no apparent reason have become a parking lot. And it doesn't take long sitting there until someone starts to honk their horn. And perhaps they even open up their window, right? Or actually, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> you just push the button. Uh, they open up their window and they start yelling. You are a bunch of idiots out there. Come on, move, move. Let's get it going. Now, it's just one guy who's honking and getting angrier and angrier. And you're thinking he should just chill out, but he doesn't. And while you're trying to be patient with this traffic situation that you suddenly found yourself in, you're starting to lose your patience with this bozo who just won't let it go. 
Obviously, he has a problem. However, what we don't always recognize is that we are having a problem, not with the traffic, but with him who's having the problem. He's not letting go, and we're not letting it go about him. We're just getting angrier and angrier and starting to make our own comments about well, that guy, and he's such a, and I, you know, and it's just growing. It's growing, and it's not only growing with you, but other people around are getting tired of this guy. And, and, and it's just growing more and more. But then as it starts to grow more, other people start to join him, and they're honking their horns, and they, they just won't let it go. And finally, 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 traffic starts to move very, very slowly. You all have to go into just one lane, three down into one lane. And as you crawl along... You come up over the bend, the curve, and you see there a three-car accident where it's obvious in how they've covered things up that there have been people who have died in that accident. Now, who are the bozos? Who are those clowns? Now, who are those that realize, you know what? Being stuck in traffic is not the worst thing that could happen. I should have just let it go instead of letting it grow. That's a choice that we all have. You know what? Being stuck at home right now sometimes I think could feel like being stuck in a traffic jam with people who are constantly honking in your house and you're trying to stay calm you're trying to let it go on the outside but on the inside you're starting to boil over you're starting to let it grow about the people and the problems that you're stuck with right now but we have two choices just like the two main people in our passage here in second samuel 16 there are two choices we can either let it go or let it grow it's an important decision in everyday life And yet for so many, especially during this time, there is a greater strain on our relationships. In fact, some would say that they think there are going to be more divorces during this time because of being put together and forced to to stay home and all these kinds of things. May that not be so in God's family. Let us recognize who the real enemy is and the fact that we are all on the same team. But it's a a temptation for some who are put together not the way it is normally. For some who may be experiencing more abuse, whether it be child abuse or spousal abuse in some way. There needs to be a sense where we recognize we have to let it go before it grows to something that is not only wrong but ugly. We have a choice today to be like David or to be like Shimei. Now we only have time really to just focus on Shimei this morning. Next week we'll come back and look at David's response. But as we see here with with Shimei how do we just let it go 
by recognizing and realizing when we are letting it grow. For example, our first point, we need to realize when we are letting foolish thinking grow. See, we haven't let it go if we're letting this foolish thinking grow. Shimei was not... The only thing he was going to let go was some rocks in his hand towards David. You can see in verse 6 here. It says, He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. In fact, it wasn't just rocks. It was dirt. In verse 13, we, we read about, he just continued on and continued to follow. And David and his men continued along the road while Shimei was going along the hillside opposite, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. You notice the word says that they were, he was being pelted with stones. Now, as we want to be honest about the, the text and, and what that is, that word... Technically, is the same word that's used if you're going to stone someone to death. However, that's probably not what's happening here. And it may not even be what Shimei had in mind. He's obviously not going to be doing any great harm by throwing dirt or even the stones at David. Uh, because it wasn't just David, it was others who were there. And we noticed in verse 6, if you go back to that, it says that the, those who were guarding him were on his right and his left. So here you have both on his right and his left, there's people in front of him, behind him. Shimei does not have a straight shot to just fling something right at David. He has to kind of lob it in. So what's the point then? Well, why is he doing that if it's not going to be the sticks and stones that breaks the bones? Although he's working on those words that obviously hurt. Why is he doing this? Well, in his day and even in this day in the Middle East, especially throwing these rocks, throwing dirt is considered an insult. In fact, even though it probably is not going to actually do anything to the person, not, not any great harm so many times, it is a response of anger and contempt to throw that. But is it the wisest thing to do to be throwing rocks at this small army of veteran soldiers? You know, Shimei needs to be a little less scarecrow and a little more cowardly lion at this point in time. You know what I mean? Remember scarecrow? If I only had a brain. Yeah, you got to be wondering, what was he thinking? In fact, was he even thinking? He was just letting it grow and grow and go instead of letting it go. I mean, he didn't even, even in that moment, just stop throwing. Like we said in verse 13, he just kept doing it. He kept digging his own hole, looking for a fight. Did he want to die? Did, did he want to die? Was he, in a sense, baiting David into some kind of action that would prove that he, Shimei was right all along? See, David is a bloodthirsty man. He just killed me. Woo. That's a little foolish in the kind of thinking that's going on. In fact, in Proverbs 
chapter 20, verse 3, we read, It is a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. I think that could be Shimei's life verse right there. You know, every fool is quick to quarrel. He doesn't avoid strife. I'm sure if you would ask him, he would have said, you know, I've thought through this. I've waited for this day. He had no intention of avoiding strife like the Word of God talks about. He was just going to let it grow and let it fly. In fact, to him, like so many people today, to let it go just does not seem like the right thing to do. How could I do that? Even a fool, as we think about this, fool seems wise in his own eyes. He was pushing forward, not stopping to consider the cost of the conflict. We read in another place in Proverbs 17. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Do we recognize what trouble we are letting loose by not letting go? Trouble that just is increasing in our relationship, but not just in our relationship with that person we're having a problem with, but for everybody around the whole blast zone around us, including those that are lost or young in Christ. It is costing our witness when we let it grow instead of letting it go. We need to understand just what's going on here. I'm sure Shimei early on just think, I'm just standing up for what's right against an obvious wrong and evil ruler, David. It's not personal. It's the principle of the matter. Don't you just love it when somebody says that? So many times. It's just the principle. It's, it's just what's right and what's right. No, it's not. Most of the time, really, what is it? It's just personal. Something that we did not let go. Do we recognize when we've chosen not to let it go, and but let it grow? Uh, we see it earlier in our thinking and uh, that it gets more and more off-center. We start justifying our over-the-top reactions. But God's wisdom tells us to go in a complete different direction. Once again, look at Proverbs chapter 19. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. This is what it means to let it go. To overlook an offense. But Shimei has decided he's not going to overlook. Instead, he's just going to look over and over and over at what he feels is wrong and how his family has been treated, not just unfairly, but despicably. You see, Shimei was a part of the house of Saul, the previous king. And along comes this young gun David, so to speak. And as far as Shimei is concerned, this David who is a murderer... And right now, Shimei steps up and gets in David's face, so to speak. Somehow, Shimei gets these guts because he feels like, aha. His thinking has gotten so twisted, so foolish, that he's thinking, aha, David's finally getting what he deserves. It's not true. It's not the truth. But what he sees is, as David is fleeing Jerusalem, hightailing it out of there while his own son, while David's own son is trying to get rid of him, trying to kill him and take over the country, 
to Shimei and his foolish thinking, he just sees this as payback from God for all that David has done to his family. That's right. It's all about him. Verse 8. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has handed the kingdom over to your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a man of blood. It had to be God judging him. Shimei sounded a lot like Job's friends, which really weren't friends, and Shimei is no friend either. And yet, if anyone in all of Israel who had opportunity was innocent, it was David. Time and time again, he spared Saul's life. On a number of occasions, he stood up for Saul and his sons. And at times, when they died, he did not rejoice in their death and their demise. Rather, he experienced great sorrow. There was the death of Abner in chapter 3 of 2 Samuel, and then of Saul's son, Ishbosheth, in chapter 4. We don't have time to get into each of those, but go back and look over that, and you can see, while there might be some that would say they were killing these people of Saul for David, as soon as David heard about it, not only did he grieve, but he brought back on those people who had killed Saul's family, their own punishment. They brought their own death upon them as an example to anyone who would come against Saul's family. That's not the way David did things. Part of letting it go, Shim never, Shimei never got. This wasn't David's fault. Whether it's these things or even what takes place in chapter 21, it, it wasn't David's fault. If anything, it was Saul who was at fault and, and the wrong that was coming on his own household because of what he had done. And it, ultimately, it was the sovereign God who was bringing these things upon Saul's family and actually brought the kingship to David. David wasn't seeking to be king. He wasn't desiring that. It was God's choice. But there is no amount of talk that was going to convince Shimei that about that because he had just let it grow so much in his thinking. He's one of those guys that would just say, hey, don't confuse me with the facts. I already know what I need to know. You, don't, don't tell me. I don't need anything more. Don't, I'm not going to talk about it. He'd already made his judgment about the way he saw things happening. A judgment about who David was. And he was anything he heard or saw was coming through a filter of anger and hate that he added his own interpretation to. He had to let it grow into a greatly distorted picture of this evil, bloodthirsty, out-for-himself King David. But it was because of what was going on in Shimei's heart, not David's heart, that he thought that. Not only not to see the best and to look for the worst, but when he couldn't find the worst to just make it up in his own foolish thinking. Driven by bitterness, he let it grow instead of letting it go. 
And I'm telling you today, there are people just like this that are doing this. And not just people out there, but there are people who call themselves Christians who are in the church who think this same kind of foolish thinking. It doesn't matter what someone else says. It doesn't matter what good a person might do or, 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 or doesn't do or how they try to be different than who they were in the past. We've already decided to be judge and jury a long time ago. And all we're doing right now is just waiting for God to call us up to be the executioner. I think sometimes we've made that decision. And I say that because I've talked with people. I think sometimes we've already made that decision that Jesus did not die for what this person did or said to you. Jesus didn't die on the cross for that. Which is why it's our job to crucify him. To crucify them for what they did and said to us. We've let our hurt and our hate grow so big that there is no room for Jesus. Even though we should be living in love through the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that not only believes the best, but overlooks the rest. I, I suppose somebody could say it's possible that Shimei did not realize the whole truth, but it doesn't seem probable that he would not have heard about the good ways of David. He just let this version of his past continue to grow and consume him. That's how many of us in the heat of battle have justified our reactions, have justified the things we have said back or done because of how bad that person was or is. How many times are there problems that are happening in the present with us as it deals with other people that really have nothing to do with what's going on right now or what they just did, but actually it has more to do with the past, with the past that happened. You know, the reason the current conflict that we're in feels like World War III is because we never settled World War I with them. And the reality is all we're really doing is just keeping fighting over and over again the same war, but on different fields of battle because we've never let it go. Instead, we've just let it grow. And it's grown into different areas in our relationship with them. Just as an FYI, there are times, and we'll talk about this in the coming weeks, there are times when an offense is so great that it's not something that you should just let go. Although there is never a time where you should let it grow. Instead, following the principles of Matthew chapter 18, going to that person, talking lovingly with them about the problem and the relationship in a way that is constructive, in a way that is we're on the same team. But let's be clear, the majority of the times in our life, in the majority of things that are happening to us, we should be wise in our thinking and just let it go. Now, that's just one of the ways. Here's the other way. As we think about, as we think about point number two. I don't think my is working. There we go. We need to realize when we are letting fleshly reactions grow. It's one thing in our thinking 
to become foolish, but what happens is our, our, our fleshly reaction to what's happening just growing. Obviously, Shimei was not thinking clearly, but he was not thinking clearly because he's clouded by his emotion of anger, fed by his bitterness, possessed by his hate, crazy. I just picture him breathing heavily, you know, his veins popping out of the neck, everything red, a wild look in his eyes, spit kind of coming out of his mouth as he's talking with this sinful attitude and bringing out sinful words in a fleshly, out-of-control kind of reaction that just continues to grow bigger and bigger and bigger, over-the-top, ridiculous. But how many of us can look back at how we've reacted at certain times with certain people that have been pretty much over-the-top? No matter what the other person did, we missed the mark. And we looked a lot like Shimei. Who was by what he, not just what he was doing or necessarily saying, but by the attitude of his heart was murdering David, trying to kill him. Because God tells us, if you hate your brother, you are a murderer. It can be times like these that when we're having to deal with, so so much change and so much stress that we're in right now. We're packed together in tight spaces that, that we can become more easily annoyed and more easily angered. But what really is the truth of why we are angry? Why did we react to what that person just said or did? Is it really about them? Or is there a growing reaction in our own flesh about all the things that are happening all the things that are out of our control, the things that, that other people are telling us what to do and we can't do anything about it. So often what we are angry about is not what we come out and being angry with. We're not really angry at what we're really angry about. We're not really angry with who we are really angry with. And sometimes it's ourselves. Sure, the... They may have been that spark that kind of lit things up, but who's the one that spread the gas all over the floor? The wood for the fire had already been built up before that person came in and said or did that. How many times do we take it out on people when maybe before all this, we would have just overlooked it. We would have just let it go. But right now we're letting it grow. In some ways, Shimei is just going on a pure emotion. And so many today are like that. There is an anger that is like a fire that never really goes out. You have this blow up and you think everything's fine afterwards, but the fire never goes out. It just keeps on going on. It keeps on growing because of our flesh taking over and not the Holy Spirit. It keeps on taking over even to a point where some people have an addiction with anger or even to the point that there's a satanic stronghold. And there are those that are, uh, like the situations that we're facing today, who have not had problems in the past with this kind of fleshly overreaction. It's not you. That's not the way it's been. But it's happening now. 
are we blaming that other person? Are we blaming those that, they're, that we're stuck with in our house that, you know, they're just over the top? Is it really them? Or have we recognized that our fuse is getting shorter and shorter and that our explosions are getting bigger and bigger, all the while blaming other people and not taking responsibility for our own fleshly reactions? We keep letting it grow instead of letting it go. And in, in doing so, we, we are blowing up and injuring the lives of those around us. We let it grow, sometimes just about petty problems. It becomes so much a bigger issue than it really is. And someone says, no, 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 you have no idea. You have no idea of how big this really is to me. And I would say, okay, that's a fair topic of discussion to really understand one another. But the first, I would like you to answer this question. Do you have any idea how big this problem is actually to God? You know, it's not just about how big it is to us, but as we deal with the reality of this situation, seeing the whole truth, how does God look at it? And so many times it doesn't matter to God. He let it go. In fact, it it wasn't even something he's talked about in his word. Oftentimes the real issue is the personal problem that is coming to the service, our own humanness, our own flesh. Somebody says, no, no, that's, that's, that's not what's happening. I, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to fight for, for what's right. You know, and that sounds good. But so many times the real wording should be, I'm just trying to fight for my rights. Plural. I'm just trying to fight for what I deserve. It comes down to fighting for what we want. And the world will tell you that there is nothing wrong with that kind of fleshly reaction, that kind of fleshly motivation. We don't really want to even consider what God wants. I mean, we just get to the point where this is just what we want. I can hear somebody saying, well, you know what? No, I prayed about it. I, I really, I, I, I prayed about this and, and, you know, I got a peace. I got a peace about this. This is what God wants for me and this is the way it should be. I, I've got a, I really, I've got a peace about it. Don't, you know, don't, don't question me. Yeah, you can see it on your face. Here's what God says in James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. The problems between us often comes from unmet heart desires that have turned into fleshly reactions of demanding that those desires be met. In many ways, that's what's going on with Shimei. 
The problem goes deeper than just his foolishness and the way he's thinking, than just his fleshliness and the way he is reacting. The root of his problem is a desire, is a want that he felt he deserved as part of Saul's family. As you look in verse 8 there, we read that just a little bit earlier. At the very end, what he's accusing David of, and he says of all this uh, from Saul, in whose place you reigned. The very last words there are the words that really are at the root of the problem. It came down to the fact that David was on the throne when it should be either Shimei or somebody else in his family's rightful possession. It's just getting passed down from one to the next. His desire led to a demand that led to a judging of David. This whole concept is something that's talked about within the peacemakers ministry. Something that I've shared with other things before and even here. Like so many of our conflicts, this is what makes it personal. It's not just that Shimei cannot let it go, it's that he will not let it go. No way. To let it go is not an option, it's not on the table. That would be ridiculous to even suggest that. And as his desire rose to the point that it consumed him, and anyone who got in his way, he wanted to get rid of. It may not start out that way. But when we don't get our way, we become selfish, self-focused on our self-needs. As we're looking at other people to meet those needs, instead of trusting God by seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, and knowing that He will add all these things to us. But we're expecting that out of others. See, the heart of the conflict with someone else is often the heart in conflict within ourselves. Uh, that flesh re- reaction happens because we're not getting what we want or what we think we deserve or got coming to us or what just makes sense. It, it can be about our preferences, our way of seeing things, our way that we think is right. Do we recognize what that desire is in our life that is at the heart of the conflict with someone else? If you were to fill in the blank and say, all I want is... Yeah, you're angry that somebody said or done something, whatever it is. Listen, all I want is you to fill in the blank. You are stating a desire there. Now, desires in themselves do not have to be simple. Some are wrong and go against God's will. But others can be for good things. Like a wife who says, I just want a clean home. Or someone at their workplace just saying, I just want to succeed and do well and at least be acknowledged in some way. Or some, you know, desires are not all unreasonable as they begin. They can be a valid thing. I mean, someone can be thinking as they're coming home, you know what, I worked all day. I worked hard all day. And after all that I've done for this family, I deserve just a little peace and quiet when I get home. Or how about the parents that are thinking, You know, all I want is for my children to live godly lives that respect and obey me. None of those things in themselves sound necessarily wrong. But when that desire begins to grow, and we're not willing to let that go, when the desire begins to grow, it becomes a demand. And when someone fails to meet that desire that you deserve, 
we're quick to enter into a quarrel or fight of what this basic need that should be given to me. We go from something that I wish I could have to something I must have. It's my right. But when this desire turns into demand and what we want, we can let conflict grow. And, we, and some people, they kick the door down and are real aggressive, yelling in your face. Other people come in the back door passively and they're, they're, they're crying or somehow trying to guilt you and manipulate you to do what they think is right, to do what they want. We let our disappointment be made known. You know, maybe you don't yell and scream at somebody and say, I'm just so disappointed in you. For what? We're trying to control others' lives around us when we ourselves are being controlled by the desires within us that have become an idol. Pushing others to get our way, even if it means punishing them in a direct or indirect way to teach them, this is the right way, you better do it. This is the right way to meet what it is or else... I know some people say, not, not me, that's, that's not me. I, I don't have a problem with unmet desires causing problems in a relationship. It's all the other person's problem. There's nothing about me. And so when something you want or expect is not met, do you feel any frustration or anxiety? Can you say there's no anger or resentment or bitterness or even sadness? That there is no thought of letting that person know your disappointment and what you really expect. For you, are you saying you're okay? You've let it go? You've let it go without any expectation of those who are close to you to meet these desires, these needs. Your flesh doesn't rise up and say, oh, no, no, absolutely not. That's not right. I'm not expecting too much here. You are, this is something I deserve. This is something you should be doing. Even if we say that's something that God says they should be doing, how are we demanding that? In our flesh or in the spirit? Can we see how we've let it grow? And the conflict has just continued to grow bigger and bigger. And what's going on? Can we see that we're saying this is... It's not personal. It's not about our heart's desire. This is what God wants. And yet, as we come at that person, are we treating them like God treats us? Even if it's wrong... Are we responding to them in the same way that our Heavenly Father responds to us? And yes, at times our Heavenly Father disciplines us, but how does He discipline us? Ultimately, we have a choice to let it go or let it grow. Now here's the thing. We're only partway through, halfway through. There is more and you probably there are questions. But one of the questions is, I understand this is right. I know I can see what's happening in relationships that I'm in. 
but, but I just don't know how. I, I can't. This is so hard. It's been like this so long in, in my relationship with my spouse or with my child or, or with my boss or whatever it is. You can let it go. Not by something that is within you, but through the power of God working in you. You can be free of this foolish thinking that just continues to grow. You can be free of these fleshly reactions that explode on others. You can be free of, of, of these desires that have turned into demands and, and, and are causing problems in your relationship beyond what they really should. You can be free not by trying harder, but by trusting in Jesus and surrendering to Him. In a sense, before we're letting it go, whatever that problem is with that person, we need to let it all go to God and find Him working in us. As the worship team comes, let's pray together. Father, thank You for... showing us here two examples obviously today we've just looked at the the negative the let it grow side well lord i just pray that you would help it to become clear to us that we would not just push this off that's not me that you holy spirit would speak That things don't have to be the way they've been. That we don't have to just keep fighting World War I over and over again. That we can be free from this spiraling down cycle that we just keep going through in our relationships. And part of it begins by letting go. And actually, first... Letting go to you. Full control. That the one who really ultimately needs to meet our desires that we should be looking to is you as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Help us to trust you in this moment. To set us free to be different. Not just as a person... uh, on our own, but in our relationships with others. Move and work in a very special way that sets us apart and can come alongside and help others who struggle in this area. Thank you for this, Jesus, in your name.